We are today, February 9th, Sisyphus and the Burden of Life. Very nice title to start with. Um, We could just simply say the burden of life and we could all find our own ways to explore that and see what we do or don't do with that or what and how we make troubles with that. Um, Or how we allow that to support and nurture us in a way if we didn't have the burdens of life what would we do <laughs> so good let so i'd like you all to start since you've all read this and you're all all probably have interesting points that we could begin to explore so i'll just Throw it open to you, and then we can go from there. Just be brave and be, be the first one to begin. I'll do it. Good. Okay. I'm thinking that the boulder can change from day to day. How big it is, uh, the texture of it. And then I was thinking about uh, the Bodhisattva's vow. And um, the blind tendencies, let me get this to it so I do it right. Um, Produced and accumulated upon ourselves. By our own egotistic delusion and uh, attachment, produced uh, through countless cycles of space and time. So that's that boulder. And it's, as I say, it shifts and changes, and but it's there always. Yeah. It- Unless we turn it into joy which she talks about at the end. In, in a way, the boulder isn't something else. It's nothing but our own life. Whether we make our life something small, so-called inside my body, or whether we say our life is something big, including every circumstance and condition that we meet, there isn't... <coughs> me pushing a boulder um, but it's our whole life that we can call a boulder or a burden if we want to use those kinds of words Um, yes all sorts of circumstances that arise as as you say use the words um the many forms, I mean, you could, the way we, it's it's in the Bodhisattva's vow is a way of um, sort of articulating what can be called karma, or simply cause and effect circumstances that come together right now as our life. And that we want to call something or other, whether a burden, a boulder, or Uh, an opportunity or anything else that we want to call it. Um, And even to say that we have to push it makes us sometimes think that there's something we're working against. All we have to do is live our boulder. 
live our boulder, if you want to say, live the ocean that you're in, or however you want to speak of the many ways that our life can manifest. So, what boulders have you all discovered this week in working with this chapter and with what Joko says and with your own practice? I was just thinking of something uh, when you were saying that. Um, Jeff here. I was, I was thinking of something as you were talking about um, Dickens. And, um, and the uh, ponderous chain that we forge in life, um, you know, as, as we go along, you know, it, not necessarily it being uh, a uh, good or bad thing, no, no label, but, you know, we, we uh, forge this, this chain as, and it gets longer and longer as, as we live our life. Um, and that uh, goes with us for our whole life. It doesn't, um, it's not, you know, we, if, if it's a burden, it's because we see of it as a burden. But, um, how do you uh, mean it gets longer and it goes with us? Be, be well, more specific. Uh, and instead of using nice analogies, be more specific. Okay. Okay, when when you're born, you know you're you're very you're responsible for very little. I mean, when you're a baby, everything is taken care of for you. There's no burden on you at all. There's nothing for you to care about. There's nothing for you know. Your your only care is uh, whether or not you're going to get fed or or changed. You know your diaper, and as things go along. Um, you are expected to, or at least um, in the you know American society, you're expected to take on further responsibilities. Wait, wait. L- let's stop there for a moment, because what you're talking about is a daydream. W- when you add on expected to take on, and and you say responsibilities, those are stories that you're telling yourself. Other than what you're what you're taking care of right now, however your we'll go back to the image your boulder is right now. If you tell say oh you have the responsibility to keep pushing that boulder up and down this mountain up and down this mountain for X number of years, then that's exactly what Joko is trying to get us to see is a, a, a not only a false image, but a problematic image that keeps us from living our life if we believe it. So I'm glad you brought that up because that's exactly what she's trying to address. Well, Elihu, this is Debbie. And yes. This was um, particularly... Um, appropriate for me this week because, as you know, my situation with my son Uh feel like I roll the rock up and it comes back down. I mean, that's how it feels. Yes. 
And um, it really feels that way. And when I read her, I, I know from my practice that it should, it, it, it's, it's just life. It is the next thing to do or not do. Um, but it's a fight to not view it as, to not have it feel like I'm rolling the rock up and it rolling back down for 15 years. So yes. It's so appropriate uh, for me right now. Good. And, and I think it's really good that you brought it up that way because if you or we hold on to all the past five years, ten years, fifteen years, and the different ways that we've had to handle this particular rock in the past, and what we did, and what worked, and what didn't. And of course that all exists, but if we hold on to that right now, when it when we're at the rock right now, or at the boulder right now, or at speaking to this person or having to make this decision right now, then we end up being overwhelmed by all those reactions and past memories that we're holding on. And in a sense, we, we're hindered and blinded and we can't do what, what we can do as best right now as possible for us. Instead, we are just entangling ourselves almost, and then out of this web, I'll go back to that image, that we've wound ourselves around with, we have this little hand pushing out that can do something, but the hand is hindered by all the 15 years or 5 years if we keep holding on to that part. So that's really good that you brought that up that way. Because yes, I feel like I cannot... I can, I just, I cannot be in the moment totally because there is always this place where that rock is, uh, even if it's at the top of the hill or it's at the bottom of the hill, in my perception of it. Right. It, it, it is so difficult to just relax into the moment. It's a real practice and struggle. Yes, and... Your moment, when it is so, is to include it's so difficult um, not to have fear about this is the way it was in the past or, or any of the other particular ways. It's not to minimize those, but to have those be there and yet not to take those as what should I say, anything more than so-called past memories and learning experiences, but not to have those hinder us from living this moment of whatever it is, however the, it is in this moment it, with the circumstance. So... In a way, it, it takes great courage, and we don't get to choose how much or what it we have, whether it's so-called in our life inside or so-called with others outside. We don't get to choose that for whatever, you know. Um, it's just 
the cause and effect universe that is ours, our life right now. And that's exactly why she brings it up, because it seems so natural for us to treat it as, oh, this is an endless burden I'm always going to have, or I've always had, or why me, or whatever other um, thoughts, feelings we think we, we need to deal with, even as we're pushing the boulder right where we are, wherever on the mountain we are. Because if we are trying to deal with all those other, how many times I've already pushed it up, or how many times I'm going to have to push it up, and how come it's this way now, then we, we're not where on the mountain, where in the pushing, where the boulder is now. And if we're not, we suffer more. And if we're not, we, as you and as others have used the word, we can't be joyful in the pushing of the boulder now. And you know it, Debbie, from your own life practice. You know what happens one way, or you know what happens another way with it. Yes. In terms of the joy, uh, I thought it was interesting, her emphasis on joy, uh-huh. and how joy is, is different than, I mean, not, not we, we, we know, you know, that the joy is different than happiness, but, but she actually talks about it in terms of um, the feeling of it. Why, why don't you, if you have a specific, uh, if you have specific pages, please cite them so that Others can, can can turn to that and also can... I, I, okay, okay. On page 22... Good. If you look at... Um, it's like the third joko. Yes. So, body tension will always be present if our good feeling is just ordinary, self-centered happiness. Joy has no tension in it because joy accepts whatever is as it is. Sometimes in pushing the heavy rock, we will even have a nice period. <laughs> How does joy accept that good feeling? That's a good question. Good. That that's great. And and see when we when we cite that, then then we really see what you know. Th- there she says it in her way, and yet for us, how is that? Is that? I mean, she could say it, but I don't know. I don't know if that's really so. I, it doesn't feel that way to me. I don't know what am I supposed to do with that. <coughs> yeah, I think that's great. Uh, and l- let me go just a, a, a two two paragraphs down. I want to add on because I think this is specifically of use to all of us, (laughs) she says, this is the uh, next to the last Joko on that page, page 22, none of us would choose to be Sisyphus, yet, in a sense, we all are. And the fact is, despite us saying none of us would choose it, we all choose it because we all are it. 
See, that's what the opportunity of our human life is. It's hard to get around that, and we don't have to add on who chose it, when chose it. That's the very nature of being born human life. And of course, any other kind of life has its own Sisyphusian forms, its own uh, let, let's say, forms of the ocean that we might otherwise drown in if we believe our stories. Or we might otherwise always be seasick because we refuse to be that ocean. We refuse to push that boulder. Despite the fact that for some reason that boulder is what we woke up to this morning, or this week, or this life. I think it's interesting to me on page 18, after the students have made their comments, Joko says, a question I'd like to pose is, what does it mean to do evil? Mm-hmm. It's interesting that somebody judged Sisyphus for doing evil and that he was condemned to a special place called Hades. And you know, she really didn't talk about evil at all. That's right. Was, but talked about joy at mm-hmm. um, just doing what you're doing. Yeah, and, and, and she says, but setting such a question aside, and in a way, this is what you brought up earlier. Um when you quoted from Bodhisattva's vow, in terms of we would want to sometimes say, oh, this is, I shouldn't have this, this is unfair, this is a burden extra, how come I have it and they don't, or how come they don't, they have that and I don't have that. Part of what should I say, not skillful and not useful questions is to to go in that direction unless there's something specific that you're addressing in terms of there's something that you can do skillfully and that you could see skillfully where that's connected. Otherwise, we use those uh, judgment categories and blame, whether we call it evil or hell or Hades is hell, but it's not hell. It, 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 it's a different realm than hell is in the uh, Christian perspective um, because it's obviously from a, a Greek perspective of what Hades is. And of course, Christianity is the way most of us use that term, hell. Of course, Judaism has a different image, and Islam has a different image, and Buddhism has a different image, and so forth, Hinduism, etc. But whatever way those come up, often that's not useful or skillful to go into, and we could notice how when we do go into that, it doesn't really serve us, whether it's serving us in pushing the boulder or serving us 
the rest of the time in terms of the complications that come from that. I mean, you know, produced and accumulated right now is, is where what's most skillful. And that doesn't mean that you can't address any and every form of problematic um, circumstances that you can see connected to this if you can see now where and how there is a skillful way, an appropriate way to address it. But does anyone else want to say anything about that? Uh, the, the, the point brought up about judgment and doing evil or doing harm. In our tradition, um, those of you who've done Jukai and those of you who've heard it know that the first of the pure precepts, I usually say it, um, it's um, um, do not do not do harm or do or do or is non-harming, but another translation for that is do not do evil. Do not do evil. So what is doing evil? It's a very good question because it's good for us to look and to notice even our tendencies and sometimes our desire to do evil in response to circumstances. In, a, in one way you could say evil is doing harmful things. In another way you could say evil is doing things that are unskillful and result in suffering for ourselves or others. Um, that That's a, a one way to use that word. But uh, it, it, the word has so many connotations and, and things that we drag along when we use the word and aren't even aware of and yet assume that I, I don't like to use it very much and I find if I use it or if others use it often it's not the best word to use it often creates more problems but uh, I'd be glad to hear what others how others find that word coming up and if if that's connected to any of this burdens or even what Ken brought up with about the chain or what Debbie brought up. Well, I can, I can share with you something that uh, came out for me. This is Lynn. Uh-huh. And um, uh, I think some of the folks who sit in the group here know that I've kind of had a hang-up lately. Um, uh Going back to that image of the little boy in Aleppo, uh-huh. thinking compassion and um, uh, the feelings that arise from that for me. And one of the things that I uh, found myself uh, considering this week and reading this, and along with thinking about what it means to be one with a koan, um, and what happens when uh, one is. Uh, in is doing zazen and thoughts come up uh, was this notion that to hold that image in mind uh, without really thinking about what's driving it was not uh, very helpful um, it led down the path that you were referencing about well what is evil and when are we practicing good and uh, what does that mean and I 
uh, somehow uh, arrived at the awareness that it was my grasping at things being different than they are that was part of the problem and my anger that they were the way they are. And somehow that created a clearing, I think, for me, um, so that uh, I could be free of that a little bit and think a little bit more about what would be a skillful response um, where I am, as opposed to sort of being so fixated on um, uh, really uh, that image of that mm. Yeah, good. Good. And as, as I said, the, the three pure precepts sometimes are translated, refrain from evil, do good, and do good for others. In a way, those are very simple and straightforward. And though we could say, sure, when we start looking more closely, what does evil, what is doing good, what is doing good for others? Then we then we see that in a way that's a lifetime koan. All each of those refraining from evil, um, and it's not so much telling others that they're evil or that they shouldn't do, but refraining. I mean, yes, it's to feel the evil that that you could say the ongoing war and and the terrible things that people are doing just in Syria. If you just just pick out Syria. And the, the terrible suffering that just in that one place that us humans are doing to each other. And that's exactly what it is, us, us humans. But it's also what, what, other than saying that or having that more distant um, uh, uh, situation for ourselves... What 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 is there to do? What can we do? And what's appropriate? Um, we certainly can discover that there are times we rage at someone over what they said or didn't say, what they did or didn't do. Someone directly in our life immediately, and and we can see so-called evil feelings, evil intentions arising. Whether even if we, of course, don't act out on them, but that impulse can, can jump up, maybe for no one else here, but I can certainly say that I can say that that jumps up, whether you, you're able to see it just jumping up of itself, that then that's our practice right there, is to notice, that, oh, wow, you know, that can jump up. How can that come from? Where does that come from? And of course, we could all say, oh, yeah, no problem. That doesn't, I don't have to ever deal with that. Um, I don't certainly have to act it out. But if we could recognize that, then what is our practice? What is, how do we then live this rock boulder burden? which we've been so-called condemned to, um, called our life. And this rock-boulder opportunity, which we've been gifted with and granted with, and given the opportunity, that's called our life. 
Okay, I, I'm talking too much. Let's so let's go stay with either what we're talking with or bring up some more. Yes. Um, I, I was listening to what Lynn was saying and, and louder, please. Sorry, I, I've been listening to what Lynn was saying about her um, interest in that particular image from Aleppo, and then how we've been talking about evil um, and joy. And on page 21, um, around the middle, um, Joko says um, that doesn't mean there is no sadness, but the experience of sadness is exactly the joy, which at first seems <laughs> kind of uh, hard to understand, but the more Lynn was talking, uh -huh. the more I thought to myself, well, if she had seen that image, which is sad, and she certainly um, felt the sadness of that, um, that, but what if she saw the image and hadn't felt the sadness? Um, so she, in some sense, maybe in this sense that Joko is referring to, um, you know, that there is some joy in just being, feeling that you, you're human and that you can recognize something that is sad. Um, yeah. You, I don't know. I mean, that, that, I think the opposite of not seeing that that's sad would be something not, I don't to be sad. Yeah, uh, there's, joy, there's joy in being able to. Yeah. I would add even further, I mean, that's a good point, and I would add further the, the very experiencing of sadness when that's there is in joy, so to speak. That the, it's the experiencing that is beyond the judgment we have about this is sadness that I'm experiencing, this, this is not, this is good that I'm experiencing. It's the going beyond that. Um, because that in, is very clearly what this human capacity is. Um, and as you said, it, it, it's the fact, I'll say it that way, that we can experience that, that we can recognize that that's what it is. And also, even more, it's the very nature of sadness is part of what makes possible all sorts of other experiencing as a human. It, it's, and that's why she says, that does not mean that there is no sadness, but the experience of sadness is exactly the joy. And she says, if we don't find a shift happening over time, then we're not, we have not yet understood what practice is. But again, notice it doesn't say a shift, meaning we get away from the sadness. There's an, a story about a... Um, this was a successor of Hakuin, a woman. Um, and um, 
she was in uh, her, I think if I remember, 70s or 80s. But anyway, um, and uh, her, uh, I think it was her granddaughter um, died. And she was sad at the funeral, uh, mourning, you could say. And someone said to her, how come you're mourning? You're, you're you know, this enlightened successor of, of Hakuin. Hakuin was a great Zen teacher in Japan in the uh, 18th century. Um, and, and she said, she rebuked that person, said, what kind of fool are you? This is exactly what this is. My granddaughter dies and I grieve. And that's exactly the joy. To be able to grieve when this human life is grieving. That is our life. Grieving is part of our life. Sadness is part of our life. It's not a problem. It's exactly the capacity of the many forms and the many functions and the many abilities and including the so-called burdens that we want and the so-called burdens that we don't want. Those are exactly our gift of life. If our life didn't include those, then we wouldn't be alive. It's very simple. And that's where she talks about this as a reliable barometer. Because our practice, if I say it that way, is about being alive. And being alive in the myriad forms that our life is. Our particular life is. Not our image of someone else's life or our image of how our life should be. And our life, of course, includes the life of everyone we are connected with and we meet in many ways. But, so, let, but let's see what more you have on this chapter in, that Joko talks about. And if someone who hasn't spoken wishes to Speak up, please do. No, I have it at all. So I, my name is Eikyo, and uh, I have, so the default is our life. Yes. That's so. Accept the way it goes up and down. We just relax. In between, that's what it is. Yeah, I'm not even sure if there's any in between um, <laughs> to to. Um, Nothing in between that. <laughs> there is no r- relaxing in between because, in a way, there is no in between um, because. In a way, there is no burden, and yet, of course, there is a burden. It's heavy sometimes, and it's light sometimes, and we're going up sometimes and going down. And yet, up and down, 
are also just added on stories. And in a way that Joker wants to um, wants to address that too. Um, On the last page of the chapter, on page 23, um, that, that at the very top, in a way, the way we become more content to just live our life as is, as it is, just lifting the burden each day, is by being the experience of lifting, lifting, lifting. This experiential knowledge and, or I should say, that's experience, experiential knowledge and intellectual understanding may, and I'll, we could say, and may not, evolve from, from that in, in all sorts of particular ways. So, the, what we understand in a way, is secondary to the experiencing of it. And we each grasp, glimpse, see, and don't see according to all our capacities and the circumstances, and that seeing comes and goes, just as the so-called burdens come and go. And that's not ours to determine or, or let's say it differently. It doesn't make a difference if we add on judgment or our ideas about those. They don't follow that. It, it's ours to just, as she says, lifting, 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 or breathing, 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 or experiencing, experiencing, experiencing. That's exactly what she's talking about. question yes when mentioned uh, for example if uh, uh, if uh, evil appear and we have the tendency that that we sh- shouldn't feel that way ah yes uh, so uh, so if that is the experience uh, can you talk about that a little bit? Sure. If we have any ideas about what we we shouldn't feel. Now, feelings are just, just as we say in the Heart Sutra, they're just part of the five skandhas, form, sensation, conception, discrimination, awareness. Feelings is just one of the skandhas, one of the aspects of being human that it appears and disappears. If we get caught in our belief that I shouldn't feel this way. In other words, if to use the image of this uh, um, chapter, this rock, this boulder shouldn't be mine to push right now, then right there we create added troubles for ourselves rather than lifting, 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 pushing, 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 feeling, feeling, feeling this way right now. Not, I, I don't say entangling in the feeling, I don't say believing the feeling, but when the feeling is this way, whether it's a, an emotional feeling or a, a physical feeling, if, if you wake up and you're aching and you 
say to yourself, I shouldn't be aching right now. All we've done is created added suffering. See, this is exactly, or when you're sitting Zazen, and we have a, sometimes our mind can be very peaceful, so to speak. Our body can be very peaceful and sometimes very agitated. If when we're agitated, we add on, there's something wrong that I'm, that the, that there's so much mental agitation right now that hinders our zazening. That is added burden. That so then not only do we have to push the boulder, but we have the we added on another boulder called I shouldn't have this boulder to push right now. So you know when you have one boulder to push, that's one thing. When you add sort of drag in another boulder that you don't have to push, but you say, well, I might as well add it on. <laughs> well, <laughs> what do we get from that? See, that's exactly the point that that uh, I think she wants us to attend to, so that, so that we can each live the boulder of our life, which is really joyful it's empty it's just our life that's the point that uh why she's bringing up this whole chapter and she makes a point it's not to try to say that this should be something other than or something um we should get over we well i finally pushed it to the top so i should be done with this um that sort of thing only gets us in trouble or creates trouble for others. And God, someone was wanted to say something. Well, it's the talking about it too that you know adds the third boulder to it. Uh, for instance, maybe you aren't feeling so good in the morning, but you uh-huh. know you can make it through your day, that sort of thing. But then you're with your friends and you start complaining about this and complaining about that. That's just more boulders. <laughs> yes. So you really have, I really have to watch my mouth. Uh-huh. Well, it's not so simple, though, because, you know, there's a list of students saying different things that they do to, where is it? I can't remember the page, but... How they distract themselves or whatever. Like ways to escape? Uh, yeah, yeah, page 20. So my thing is, uh, like one of them says to be very busy and tire myself out, and the the very next one says to procrastinate, (laughs) which, you know, would be more like me being the second one. So I have to be careful when I'm sitting and I have, you know, spilkus or I'm uh, agitated or whatever it is, and I don't want to add on saying that I shouldn't be agitated. I, you know, I get that part, um, and it's just very easy for me to see. Oh, you can't say you shouldn't, this and that. But then I find that a way that I add on a boulder is, is to get lazy because it's like, okay, well, I am agitated, so therefore, you know, it's okay to like. Uh, I don't want to say waste the sitting period, but you know I don't work as hard as I probably still could. Can can I just interject something here? Um, 
seems to me that one of the things here is that there's, I don't think anything in here that uh, any of the students say that they do in response are necessarily wrong. Um, but I think to me what's important is to be intentional about um, how we how we respond to hardship or whatever we may be um, facing or experience, to be uh, aware of that feeling, even if it's like, oh, here comes a, here comes a nasty thought, <laughs> which I, I can't have, and I think we all have those sometimes. You know, oh, yeah, okay, so, yeah, I'm having a nasty thought. thought. How do I want to respond to that? And most of the time now, especially if it's things that are in the past and like, oh, that past thing comes up that makes me angry or, well, I'd really still like to get back at them, <laughs> occasionally comes up. It's, um, I, I, I think it's now, um, for after practice, I think um, I more respond to it as, oh, yeah, look at that. I'm still angry. About, I'm still a little bit angry about that. Hmm, that's interesting. Um, but, you know, there it is, and I'm not going to feed that. I'm not going to feed that thought if it's not something that I feel is a helpful way to respond. And But on the other hand, also, I feel like, well, sometimes if you're really facing something difficult, it um, can be appropriate to reach out to other people to talk to them about it or to um, to step back a little bit from it step away from it. So I don't think that it's necessarily that any of the responses is in and of themselves. Um, I think it's a matter of, is this going to be um, helpful? Yes. And and in a way, instead of, in addition to the word helpful, we could say, is it skillful? Is it appropriate? Is it, does it not perpetuate more harm? Um, in, in, in a way, none of us have a choice of when all of a sudden the boulder rolls down the, the, the mountain again and we have to start at the beginning, so to speak, where, or, or it could seem that way to us. It, and this is the maturity of your own practice and the responsibility of you as a practitioner to see what does my practice effort right now need to be, if if that is the question that, that needs to be asked. Because it's up to us to see and do what's called for, and there is no formula because just as Joyce, you were um, talking about the different, um, uh, what should I say, states and conditions that can arise, it's always responding as the condition that arises this moment, whether you were talking about inside, so to speak, in your zazen or at other times in your in our life. So definitely. Intention is important, and what's skillful and what isn't skillful, but, and also to see that sometimes we only see a little bit, and only after we've done or not done certain things, we discover, oh, 
that's not quite so skillful or or ah this is entangling me further and then when that's so then we deal with the boulder of that of this moment as it is now for us so in a way this whole chapter is encouraging us to be the boulder the so-called burden that appears as our life and to notice if we want to I'll say externalize it and treat it as something other and therefore add on it's a problem it shouldn't be etc etc and that's part of the experiential practice and the resulting practice opportunities and abilities and even knowledge as she puts it or understanding that develops as we continue with this anyone else want to bring up anything on this chapter one more question yes Uh, (laughs) after we are when we are in experience itself then we realize experience then we shouldn't judge it just experience it if you judge it you judge it just treat the judgment as something else arising and notice it and see if you get entangled in it or if it can just come and go when when it, it, it you don't have to direct whether judgments come and go because they do come and they go but we can notice if we start looking for them if we want to encourage them then we know we're we we are getting uh entangled and it might not be so skillful it's as if after every time you sit zazen you pull out your card and you say well this was a 75% zazen this was a 95% zazen or at the end of each day you start checking off well i was with nancy i'll give her a, a 85 today when i was with her but when i was with john ah, maybe a 60 and if the more we do that the more in a sense we get away from living the bolder life moment of that we are but if judgment comes up let it come let it go like the rest of our life circumstances we're not the boss we're not the boss of what arises and we're not the boss of what passes but we are the boss of what we do with what arises passes see that's our practice opportunity that's our life opportunity so good okay i think we've begun on this chapter i encourage you to continue reflecting on what she said there and for next week we'll read the next chapter which is responding to pressure
So that starts on page 24. I think there's only one edition of this book, but I'm not sure. Some of you might have a slightly different edition. So thank you all, and good night. Thank you. Good night. Good night. Good night. Good night.